Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. David Krejci draws Austin Watson, now Heinen to McAvoy, he scores! Yo, bartender, your food needs refill! the stop. Marchand ahead to Bergeron has Marchand busting down the middle. Scores! Patrice Bergeron with the Bruins' third shorthanded goal of the season. Treat me right fucking now! McAvoy finds DeBrus behind DeLaurier! Shit face on the bus. Louise left me, and that son of a bitch over there keeps playing me when he knows I'm shit face. Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back for another episode of uh, the Beers and Bruins podcast. Uh, this is episode 11, so this is kind of picking up. We're getting a lot, a uh, lot more people that want to get involved. But uh, I have a special guest that I've been wanting to get involved for, I, I think, at least a, a year or two now. Um, his name is John Butler, and you can find him at a, at a really good. Uh, Bruins follow on Twitter. It's at Bottom Line Bruins, and uh, this kid is is in the trenches at, when it comes to following, developing players. Um, I noticed him be, even before we met. Uh, he was was at Warrior Ice Arena, a, a notepad, a pen, and I believe you, you even was sitting down with a laptop. But um, I was I was impressed, and you came over and said hello, and you liked the show. So that's when we really kicked it off. So on, but. Uh, John Butler, please welcome to the show. How, how's everything going? Hey, Mark. Uh, no, everything's going really well. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, I think I mentioned this earlier, but the only thing I'd say is tired from all the ten o'clock uh, Bruins games this week. But um, other than that, no, I'm really good, and I'm excited to to be uh, joining the show and uh, excited to get a couple more guests on here in the next few weeks too. So. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 
everything's been going good on my end, especially with the website and, and the podcast. And then this is just a really fun side project for me to get the, the diehards involved. Um, I talk about it on the show a lot. We just don't have time in our in our first hour program to have somebody on the, our Sunday program. So it's just a lot of topics that we get through and a lot of sponsors, stuff that we have to take care of. So this is like, if they want to come on, they're welcome to come on to this side of the program. It's an affiliate of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. So, you know, this is this is where they can come and rant or just sit here and, and talk. But uh, this is my opportunity to have a couple of drinks uh, with, with some uh, some decent fans that I've met in the past or or new people. So I'm, I'm really glad that you you made the time. We, we've gone through... Uh, the volleying of, of uh, trying to figure out times and which is good and who's busy and who's not. So it's been um, it's been good, but I'm I'm happy we finally uh, got a date down and we're going to do this. So yeah, well, I feel I was going to say definitely feels good on my side, and uh, yeah, I'm excited. I was going to say we've got a a, g- a good portion of the of the Brewers to talk about too, just starting the season. So it's kind of exciting to to get into one of the first episodes. I know that you got a beer. Oh yeah, I've got. Uh, I don't know about everybody else. I'll, I'll salute one of my buddies, Tony Wilson. For, I'm drinking a couple Miller Lights, so that's uh, nothing too fancy on my side. I am drinking a Sam Adams. It's called a Sam Seventy Six. Um, I'm assuming this is the to honor America in in the 1776. Um, but it's good beer, and uh, it'll work. So um, works for me. So. <sighs> What what is your like forte when it comes to a Bruins fan? Are you a are you a kind of a developing depth guy because I've seen you so many times and and it almost seems like you're always around when I'm around when I'm doing the same thing. So is is that like is that like are you up and need to know and want to educate more people about the kids that are coming up and and to the people that don't have the opportunity to to watch minor pro or, or, or NCAA level or, or Canadian junior that, you know, you feed them the information that they, they need. Yeah. And no, I'm almost to a fault. I'd say, I think my friends probably get pretty sick of me talking about all the prospects because, uh, yeah, pretty similar to you. I, uh, I like going to the, uh, like the prospect games, everything like that. I know I tried to get up to Buffalo, uh, this year. I would lo- have loved to see some of the, uh, the rookie I'm- games, but I'm going uh, next year, so if you want to, do, if you want to uh, plan a trip, dude, I'm down. Yeah, I, I would absolutely be down. Actually, I, I know. Yeah, this year I was I was trying to wrestle as many people into going as I as I possibly could, but it just didn't work out. But um, yeah, I mean, yeah, rookie camps to you know development camp. Obviously, last few years I think I've seen you there. Obviously, um, with a couple other uh, you know Mike Craddy and a couple other guys. So yeah, um, it, it's it's really great. Um, I, I think for me, I, I've got really into the team but obviously there's so much more involved uh, than just what you see on the ice at the nhl level in making a team so um yeah i think seeing all the prospects and and that is one of my favorite parts of being a, a fan of the bruins um and yeah like i said i just i love uh you know fantasizing i guess i don't know if that's the right word about uh about the guys that are going to come up soon the fredericks the Sidnikas, all the way down to you know uh I'd say even guys like, you know, Cedric Pare or uh, one of my favorites from development camp this year, uh, Curtis Hall. So, nice. um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that that's definitely one of, one of my favorite parts of the of talking to Bruins. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of, of that, too. It's I'm a huge prospect guy, and, and I like to 
I, you know, I might not do it very well, but I, I do make an effort to try to educate uh, as many people as you know possible in Bruins Nation. That, like, like I said earlier, they just don't have the time or the means to, to, um, you know, buy subscriptions to OHL Live or Quebec mm-hmm. Major Junior Hockey League, all these streaming apps, you know, and and, and actually go to events. But it's a lot of fun. I. I you know, I'd, I'd much rather write about prospects than I do, you know, the NHL Bruins. And especially now, I mean, I mean, this season is, is not a total wash. But, um, John, let me ask you, I mean, going from the past two seasons of, of, of just making <laughs> lateral movements and just filling gaps, do you think Don Sweeney has done enough to, like, get this, especially over this offseason and, and what we're seeing now and what – happened last year up till november the middle the middle of november when everything turned on for them do you see this team going back to doing the same thing um yeah so i think i'll address the don sweeney thing first i think honestly uh i I mean yes i do short story i see this team doing very similar things to what they did last year in terms of point production i'll be very specific there but also um in terms of where they're going in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to necessarily get bounced in the second round is what I mean by that. But just in terms of they're going to be in the playoffs, they're going to be a solid contender. They're going to be a team that's going to be tough to deal with. Um, I think a lot comes down to injuries, which going back to Don Sweeney, uh, if he's done enough, um, I I think this honestly, and not to have a cop out of an answer, but I think this off season coming up is probably the biggest one for Don Sweeney in the sense that, He's got the assets now that he wanted. What are you going to do with them? Because he's going to not only see some of them in the lineup in Anders Bjork, you know, guys like Donato, who he's now got, you know, up in the lineup, but also, you know, McAvoy, who he he drafted, even Vakanainen getting a chance this past uh, this past game. It's it's really going to be a make or break one for him because I think up to this point, to me, he's definitely checked the box. He's he's definitely passed in my mind. Um, not necessarily with flying colors, but he's gotten the Bruins to a point where they're contenders right now. And they also have teams that uh, are, are chips that uh, in their system that other teams are really interested in. And and that's exactly where I'm thinking that this year he could be forced to use. Um, if mm-hmm. I think that, you know, with this developing pool that he's, he's uh, accrued since 2015 and, and, I don't care what, you know, rankings you think about. If you think about Corey Foreman's uh, rankings from The Athletic, it was a fantastic article. But I, I don't see this team ranked 27th. I, I You know, I don't, I don't see him in the top 10, but I don't see him as high as 27 either. So, I mean, give me 14 or 15, 16, 17 in that range. That's fine with me. That's a good ranking. So, But I do believe in this developing core. But with saying that, I think he does too. And I think that's why nothing was done the past two seasons. Yeah, I think he's tentative, especially kind of being uh, – not even kind of being – I mean, he is. He's just being newer. I yeah, think he yeah. really likes all the choices that he made early on in his draft picks at least. Um, Sometimes when I think about this, it's like I just picture myself you know, fantasizing like you do. It's sitting at a desk and just thinking about what would you do if you were in that position? You know mm-hmm. what I mean, and 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 to me, being a prospect guy, yes, I would want to absolutely hang on to as many um, assets, developing assets as possible. Uh, you know, within the within the contract restrictions and and so on to to see what you got because you it's like going out in the field and, or you know going out in an orchard and picking an apple. You, you know, you got to reach. 
you got to reach for that really good one. Well, to have a prospect pool like this, you can go down there and reach, but I just don't think that at this particular time that the organization is like ready for any of these guys to make huge steps into the NHL, like the Fredericks, the Stunikas, and the, and the kind of the players that you were talking about earlier. So I just kind of believe that Don Sweeney is just he's going to be pushed into the into the um, into the corner with his with scouting staff and and other uh, you know people of, in management and uh, and possibly be forced to move some of these younger players. So I mean it all remains to be seen, but um, whether it's win now this year or win in the next couple of years, something's got to give. Yeah, and I think we kind of saw. Don Sweeney make I mean I wouldn't call it a mistake I, I know a lot of people aren't too pumped with the Rick Nash trade last year I'll bring that up I know it's a sore subject for some people but um, I'm raising my I, hand yeah right I know I know I I'm kind of raising my hand on it too it's it's tough I mean the first round pick to me is what what really hurt them I think they could have moved it for a better asset but um or not at all but um I, I think he kind of jumped in half-heartedly last year I would say and he didn't really make, I mean, what we saw a team, you know, like Tampa Bay, where they went out and they're getting McDonough, they're getting guys like JT Miller in the same type of deal. It's just, you know, it was all craziness for them when their, you know, bottom line has Ryan Callahan on it. It's, I mean, and Cedric Paquette, as much as I absolutely hate that guy and <laughs> yeah. would love to punch him right in the face myself. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, when he's on your fourth line, no offense to, you know, Schaller, Achari, and the guys that were there last year, or, or some who are here this year as well. But the, I mean, skill-wise, Ryan Callahan was a captain of the Rangers. It's not, you know, he wasn't just some odd guy that they brought up and has played 65, 70 games in the NHL in total. He's, you know, a pretty talented guy to be having on your fourth lines. But I think he was opposite Chris Kunitz as well, honestly. So again, a guy that's won multiple cups in a really good situation. So. Um, I, I think Don Sweeney, like you said, he's, he's in a corner right now, not in a bad way. It's, I don't think he's on a hot seat because they are performing very well. Um, yeah, I mean, but I, he does have to move some guys. I, I, and I'm not, I hope you understood what I meant, but what I meant by in a corner and so on is, is with contracted players. Exactly. So, no, exactly. And you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to get fired or anything like that. No, but, no, no. Um, but what I, uh, I mean, a lot yeah, of... I mean, he's got to sign, I mean, McAvoy this upcoming offseason with guys like, you know, Donato. I know, I think uh, DeBrusque the year following that, I think. Um, but even still, I think Heinen would be up this year as well. They've got Carlo coming up. I think they've got the assets in terms of younger forwards and, and maybe even some of the younger prospect D. Sure, if you want to make Vakaninen, who I've heard is kind of their untouchable guy on D, untouchable, great. But I think you can move some of the younger guys and maybe even one of the younger guys that's been in your lineup or is in your lineup now to get a guy that's going to be in your top six and, and make that, you know, DeBrusque, Krejci, blank line something for the you know second half of the year. Whereas right now we're, like you said, kind of in a corner because we have contracts coming up and we don't necessarily know if we have the team that's better than the, the you know, Toronto Maple Leafs or the, you know, Tampa Bay Lightning. But um, I, I think Don Sweeney does have to, at some point, think about moving some of the younger guys to get an, maybe another guy that you either want on defense or I think really they need to get somebody in the top six. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I, that's that's one area of concern that I have. 
And that's pretty much one area of concern that the Toronto Maple Leafs organization looked at before they were they went after and get JT. Mm-hmm. John Tavares. I mean, they weren't in in the. I, I, I could. I'm paraphrasing here, so I'm not looking at any real stats right now. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, they weren't scoring in all kinds of bunches last season. But they definitely addressed that need over the off season into this mm-hmm. year and and the in the foreseeable future. I mean, John Tavares is a is a franchise player. Yeah, know? let's not. Yeah, let's not forget that he's you know exactly yeah. what, exactly what he is a franchise player, number one pick, but what a this, guy that's going to lead a franchise. But what the Toronto Maple Leafs organization failed to do was also address the, a huge hole on defense. Yep. Exactly. I mean, you, you could score as many goals as you want. You still have to have that support in the back that says, "Hey, these guys are doing their job. We have to do ours too." <laughs> and I don't have faith. I mean, Morgan Riley's a great great defenseman, and and and. You know, more on the offensive side of the puck, though, too. Right. I mean, not, I mean, we have a guy like Tory Krug, who I'd say is better offensively, but again, probably not as good defensively. We might say as Morgan Riley. Um, I, I would challenge to say he probably is, but at the same time, I'm biased. But um, I think we know exactly how that goes. We know how that kind of plays out. They're definitely, like you said, they're missing probably two guys that could fit in their top four. Yeah, I mean, a, a guy yeah. like Brandon Carlo in their system or something like that would look really good for them but it's like you said they they didn't go out and address it if we can flip that and have a situation where sweeney can do the opposite and say hey look we we definitely have a glaring hole in the top six right now um what can i go do with my pieces right now which hopefully he doesn't hold on to them forever which is kind of what you alluded to but um uh, it's just a tough situation because i don't I don't know the exact move he would make. That's that's where I'm at a loss. I know Panarin's name's been thrown around, but I just don't know where or who you would actually target. The one thing, the one thing, I, yeah, I'm I'm on the same thing. I'm on the fence on who who would benefit the best from coming here. Who makes sense when it comes to salary cap, and who makes sense to when it, when you think of uh, creating chemistry. I know you can't create chemistry in a thought, but. Mm-hmm. You can you can kind of figure out either it be a countryman or or a good friend that you you know that you that you worked out on over the summer and you're and, and you totally different teams yeah. you know anything Styl- could happen yeah. and yeah and stylistically I mean I think I don't remember all that well but when they went out and got Nathan Horton I mean I know that was kind of a question because you already had Milan Lucic you know going to be on the one side of David Krejci way back when but you know how are they going to match up somebody. And you kind of think about, hey, it's the second line right wing spot across if they mark, you know, DeBrusque and Krejci as their two guys there, who's going to be the guy on that right wing with those two players, you know? And and I think they can and should go as far as to think that way when they actually do make a move because, I mean, I think we've all seen some failed experience uh, or experiments, we should say, by Don Sweeney and Zach Ronaldo. Um, Jimmy Hayes is probably the, the guy that I could beat on for hours. But um, <laughs> again, it's, you need somebody that can come in and like you said, actually make a difference with those line mates he's going to be on right. and be playing with. So, I mean, for me, it, it, a trade for the to- a top six player is imminent. That yeah. is, that is the need right now. And what I would do is, and, and I believe uh, John, I swear to God, I believe, and I, and I've been preaching this for a while that this team also needs another high-profile defenseman to really make that yeah. that leap to that that conference final, maybe a sta- flirt with a Stanley Cup appearance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe even win it. Who knows? But 
here's my here's my scenario and see if you follow is they make a trade for a player before the, the trade deadline and that's the top six forward and then they go into a very rich better free agent class than last season was highlighted by John Tavares I think that that's where you can get that defenseman and pay <clears throat> not to pay outrageous prices for him I mean there is that um Oh, he plays for Nashville. I totally forgot his name. He's got a huge beard, and he's a great... Oh, it's Matt Ellis. Is it Matt Ellis? I know it is Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. He just signed, and I mean, he, he was playing for like 2 or $3 million, and he, now he's playing for like 5 or 6 which is not a bad deal at all. You can go out and get those types of players. Oh, it's, no, it's not Matt Ellis. What am I saying? Um... It's Ellis, isn't it? Oh, I'm completely blanking. Uh, uh, I want to. It's not Dan because he was a goaltender. No, it's Ryan, and pretty sure it's Ryan Ellis. Yes, Ryan it is. Ellis. It's Ryan, Ryan Ellis. Ellis. <laughs> sorry, it's sorry. I was. I feel like I was thinking of like they have Dan Hamhuis this year. Yeah, I think. right. I think I don't know why. I think I know there is. There's also a Matt Ellis as well. I think actually. Yeah, there definitely is a Matt Ellis, but but um, yeah, I mean, yeah. you can go out and get the, those types of players at, at 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 free agency because the, the class is so much better this year than it was last year. So if they wanted to like do the trade before trade deadline and address another need uh, over the summer, now your one year turns into a two year project. Exactly, um, and uh, honestly, I think it it is possible too because. There's certain guy. I think it's all about picking the right guys to move in terms of their prospects because you're going to have to pay. And I want to say it's next year. Um, Donato, Heinen, Achari, Mac, McAvoy. Oh, I'm going to pull it up. McAvoy, yeah, McAvoy, Chara again. In I mean, if you want to pay Chara, but also Carlo as well. Yeah. So you have a bunch of guys you have to sign. But if if you can get and the, the issue too is I mean if they have the ability to get rid of Bacchus's contract, which I, I, I really love David Bacchus. I love the style he brings. I love uh, obviously what he brings in the locker room, all the intangibles. And I know I'm not in the locker room, but from everything I've heard and seen on the ice, he's a great teammate. He's somebody that always has somebody's back, so on and so forth. The contract though, at $6 million, that's just doesn't make sense. You're paying Marshawn Pasternak barely above what you're paying David Backus and you're getting nowhere even close to production. If, if at some point they can get rid of that contract and, and move one of the younger players that they have to resign and, and maybe one of the prospects that they have in their system. So somebody that isn't a roster player that they're going to have to resign, they could get a good, a good player for, I mean, they might have to eat a tiny bit of Backus's contract in that scenario, but if it's not in the same deal, they could move a pick, a, ro- a younger roster player now before they have to use money to resign him a- and a prospect and they could get a top six guy in my mind it's just about picking who and you know making sure at the same time you can have money to sign mcavoy carlo those type of people yeah that whole business scenario is a freaking kick in the ass sometimes i was gonna say, it's like trying to put together like a puzzle with a blindfold on yeah. it's literally it's it is really tough because they have so many good players that you'd want to sign too but can you sign, you know, Heinen, Bjork, Donato, and DeBrusque? I mean, 
Well, as, as long as they're not coming out asking for crazy uh, Michael, uh, not Michael, I keep calling him that, William Nylander money. Like, automatically, out of his ECL, ELC, it, it's got, it wants to garner an $8 million a contract. I'm like, you, you really haven't, you really haven't, you know, paved your way in the NHL yeah, you yet. I don't think you've grasped the concept of, of, of how that works because I, and I think honestly though, the thing that's going to be really tough for other teams and is not going to be so tough for the Bruins. And I will give Don Sweeney credit for this, but with, I mean, he didn't obviously sign Krejci, but, um, Pasternak, Marchand and Bergeron are signed to three of the best contracts in the NHL. None of them are making more, than 6.8 mil yeah but john john you got to think about this though when they were signed the market was so low for them too like every, i mean it's, every year the market's getting higher and higher with i mean people setting it like uh, the bar with, with Connor mcdavid now austin matthews and then you know all these younger players that are coming in i mean y- y- literally i'm thinking like in three or four years you can actually see a 15 million dollar player and How- I think the good thing is, though, the one thing, and I think it speaks to a little bit of the leadership of the Bruins, I don't think any of the younger players, in any sense of the word, with the exception of McAvoy, because he's a defenseman, and I think he's going to obviously be getting the most, and I don't think, and I think that's everybody's expectation, is that McAvoy is going to be getting the highest contract, and I think he should, but I think guys, like, at least their forwards, they're not going to be asking for Pasternak money, because, I mean, Pasternak's contract, I'd say, is the most relevant to, to recent time just because it was obviously the closest it was he was just recently signed obviously but um if i mean that's the good thing is if they can look at that and kind of set you know Pasternak as a benchmark within the team i think that's definitely going to help um it, it does stink though around the league because it is going to drive up the price considerably even for the bruins but at the same time i think Honestly, them having the deals they do on the team also helps them because, you know, Jake DeBrusque or any of those guys aren't going to come out and ask for $6 million when David Pasternak's, you know, getting 6-6, six, six, I don't think. Right. so. Yeah, I mean, and, and talking about, you know, earlier, we were hitting on Don Sweeney and the job that he's done. I was listening to a podcast today. I'm not really sure which one it was. It might be Leafs Lunch, which is a is a fantastic podcast. I'm not sure if you heard this in, in my previous shows or our uh, Black and Gold Hockey podcast, but I, I've subscribed to like 148, and I listen to pretty much every one of them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I work in a factory and so on, so I, I have it on the big, you know, the Zeppelin um, speaker. And yeah. I, just, I just like, that's all I do is, is I, set my, I set my listens for the week because you can do that. On the uh, Apple uh, Podcast app, and you could you could set a whole schedule for the day on what you want, and not, not go over and mess with your phone. So your boss isn't over there looking over your shoulder, going, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, what are you doing?" Yeah, but uh, yeah. you set set your daily schedule, and that's what I do. But I uh, like Leafs Lunch is a very fantastic program; it's a two hour program. Um, but they were talking about uh, general managers, and mm-hmm. the the fact is that players like Don Sweeney, Mark Vergevin. And, and so on, um, or maybe it was spitting chicklets that I heard it on. They uh, that none of those guys that played that are GMs have really been successful. Mm-hmm. So, but the guys that come in as a business and not know, not having the you know the player, you know, pro, um, profile under under them or over them, they um, they do a lot better. It's it's just weird how how it was worded and how uh, and how I took it. 
it's funny too because that I guess that gives me like double concern in that sense because they have Neely and like Sweeney, of course, right there, you know, kind of with their their fingers on everything. But um, at the same time, I think I mean I I would agree with that though. I mean I think there's been a pretty good track record of you know players who have been you know GMs or been in those type of positions that have kind of struggled and it and it might honestly come down pretty much to the fact that it's they take more empathy on the player side and they because they were a player they yeah you they have an emotional investment exactly they're they're a little bit more more invested in that sense and and um whereas like you have another guy he can not i mean not obviously to this extreme but can kind of come in as a cold-hearted businessman and you know and he's pretty you know straightforward with his approach and it's sorry but it's this way this is the way we conduct our business that kind of thing whereas you know Again, like you said, they're more empathetic towards the player situation because they've lived that life. They've been in that situation. So what do you and, got? What do you got against Lou Lamarillo? <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> that guy. That I don't. They call him Lupo Lou, and because he just finds a way to make like, in, like to just make the league look silly with some of the things that he does. But he's very strict and businesslike, and like, um, like in Toronto. I was hearing uh, on a couple podcasts that um, if, if you had a beard and he was your GM, you had to shave it, and there was, like no stubble, like you, like Bro. shave daily. Sounds like that. Sounds like the Yankees. Yeah, I remember. See? Yeah, very yeah, similar. It's, it's like the Steinbrenner, you know, yeah, uh, like dictatorship or whatever you could call it. Back, I mean, like when Johnny Damon went there, I remember I was so mad, and he had to shave his beard immediately. I was like, oh my god, that's the perfect example of just cold-hearted businessman like shave your beard cut your hair come yeah. to work on monday ready to go or that's it like it's like man. watching a uh episode of mad men god almighty like <laughs> it's just like so cut and dry black and white exactly like, oh boy like okay um touching back on the bruins you know we we did talk about addressing a need at the top six but there's there's a lot of high investment talk in into the third line center and obviously it's not being fulfilled right now there's being <laughs> pieces that are added and we're just going to put this person there and see what happens and then cycle through um is is that an area of concern too when it comes to trade because there's a there's recent rumors out there that they'd like to trade for a veteran, um, and and I said it on the Black and Gold Hockey podcast on Sunday that um, it it might it's a veteran that's going to be under thirty, somebody that's going to be around for a little while while these developing youth maybe have another year or two. But or do you see a fit for um, like this season for uh, uh, Trent Frederick that might get a little seasoning down in the AHL because this is at technically his first full year playing hmm. down there. Do you see him coming up anytime soon and making an impression? Um, I, so I think it was really telling when they drafted Frederick. They kind of you know pegged him as a third line guy, a fourth line guy. You know, not as much of the high upside. Obviously, when he played at Wisconsin, he proved that wrong, so on and so forth. But I, I think that he he's the guy that they want in that spot. I think when they had the competition between JFK, Studnika, and and Frederick at the beginning of the year. In their heads, they wanted Frederick to be the guy that stepped up and took the job. And I think, honestly, he was probably the closest. And I don't think, I, I don't think it's necessarily anything against 
Studnicka or JFK. I just think JFK, his, his play style also, I don't think translates that well to being a third line player, at least with the other guys that they have, you know, playing on the third line right now, you know, a David Backus, you know, even a guy like Joachim Nordstrom, who's been up on the second line as high as the second line, stuff like that. Playing well. Exactly. I think he, and and he deserves to be up the lineup uh, at this point. Um, I just don't think, you know, JFK, his, his type of style necessarily lends itself as well to that role. I think Trent Frederick being there, if, if he was deemed ready, I think he's the guy that is the best fit for them stylistically there. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, even he said he like idolized a guy like David Backus growing up. So him playing with like a Backus and a Nordstrom, that's a pretty big physical, tough line to deal with. Even if you, you know, rotate a guy like Donato in there, whatever, depending on an injury or where you want Backus. But, um, I think they wanted Frederick to be the guy that came out and took the job. I think that they, the Bruins organization as a whole thinks that Studnicka has the highest potential overall and is their probably more prized possession than JFK even at this point. But I also think that they that doesn't mean – I think it means more and it speaks more to how they feel about Frederick and Studnicka than it does to mean that they're like down on JFK because I don't think by any means they're down on him but it just they like Frederick for the third line spot in my head and would want and I think they think highly of Stednicka yeah oh, when you talk about Frederick and and just from from our experience seeing him at at mul- multiple um uh development camps and training camps and so on and extra games you know with the Providence Bruins and and, and previously with um the Wisconsin uh, badges. I, I I do like him at that at that third line role, um, but also um, I think Stadnika is like the kind of the seamless fit if they were ever going to do anything with Krejci. So exactly no, and know. I think I think that's the exact thing where, not, not to be like I said the armchair GM, but I think in terms of guys that you would be most comfortable moving in in a trade to get a top six guy or a defenseman, whatever direction you wanted to move in terms of bolstering your team. Now, I think they'd want to get rid of JFK first out of those two, two other guys, Frederick and Stadnicka. Yeah. Um, Cause I think like you said, I mean, and again, it goes back to contracts. Now Krejci's got the biggest contract to pay for their forwards and defensemen in total. So if they could move Krejci's contract at some point and Stadnicka was actually ready to take on those duties, Again, not to to you know beat a dead horse, but stylistically, I think Studnicka fits much better as a second line center too because he's much more skilled. He can distribute the puck a lot better than Frederick in my mind. Yep. Um, Frederick's more of, again, not to be too specific, but like he's more of like a twenty twenty guy um, or twenty five at most in terms he's, of. He's going to show you skill, but throw his body around too. Exactly. I mean, I think he fought again. Yeah, he did this in the, weekend in the last in the last game for Providence, and he threw. I mean, he, I don't know how old his opponent was, but he, he freaking know, manhandled. Him. Oh, oh yeah, he manhandled him. He was <laughs> he was the one initiating. He was the one not shining, backing down, and he was the one right in the guy's face, throwing him to the ice. So well, he's been he's um, been um and the games that I've been watching, I I suck at, I suck at myself into going to get AHL TV. Yeah, so. Uh, the games that I've seen, he's been really involved along the boards, really engaged yeah. into the action. And, and if, if somebody takes liberties on on one of his teammates, 
he's not far from from being around to say, hey, you know, you you, you really fucked up there. Yeah, he he to me is the the fan. He's going to be like a fan favorite, lower in the lineup, like a guy like, I mean, who and I he he would be to me like a net front guy on the power play because he does have skill. He absolutely does, but he's captain assistant captain type material for a team if he stays long term with the Bruins sure. um, and third line guy penalty probably is a, a, on your number one penalty killing unit um, a guy you can rely on to take faceoffs late in the late in the games I think he's pretty good in the dot is one of the other reasons that they, they got him in the draft as well um, so yeah I, th- I think he's like I said I mean he was fighting last year and he had only what eight or ten games in the AHL I think and that's that's you know going right from sophomore season of college hockey into you know you're throwing fists against guys that I think are that was his first game leaving Wisconsin and reporting to Providence. Yeah, and that, I mean that's crazy. I mean, I mean I would probably wouldn't have been dropping the gloves at 21, 20 years old. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, yeah. it's a, a little intimidating to go right there, but he's he's one of those guys that kind of answers the bell. It seems like and and is not afraid to get in somebody's face and. I think um, uh, Jay Leach said it last year. He's like, he's not a, f- he's just, he's competitive in all areas. So he gets under people's skin very easily. So it, it's, and it's just because he plays hard. He's like a guy in gym class, like the sweatiest guy in gym class. It's just like all over you playing basketball. And you're like, Jesus, like this, you're going that hard. And it's just, I think that's kind of the guy that Frederick is. He's really gritty and he, he just, you know, like you said, along the walls, I think that's, you know, the kind of place he's the hardest to play against. He's really like a frustrating guy to have to try to play against in, in board battles in front of the net, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I completely understand. Hey, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break. Um, I want to get back to John in just a moment. I want to talk about goaltending and what's going on at the NHL level and even what's going on at the level at the AHL level with pro, uh, uh, the, the whole prospect pool down there. So, uh, we'll be right back, but I do want to mention that uh, we are associated with SeatGiant.ca uh, and SeatGiant.com. So if you live in Canada, please use the CA, use promo code BNGP to save some money on some tickets. I'm talking these guys get tickets to see the prospects in the OHL, the Q, they get W, NCAA down in the States, Bruins tickets. Providence Bruins tickets, any kind of ticket you want, go to SeatGiant.ca or SeatGiant.com, whatever country you live in, and put it in the promo code BNGP and save yourself a little money and help the fucking podcast out. Thank you. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! All right, we're back, um, and we're with John Butler. Uh, he's at the Tweeter machine or the tweet, tweet machine 
or Twitter, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. I, I go off on that all the time. Uh, it's at Bottom Line Bruins, so give him a follow. Good hockey mind, uh, good kid too. Um, but let's get back to the NHL. I want to talk about goaltending. Um, we've kind of beaten the dead horse on our, our Black and Gold Hockey podcast, but I want to bring it up because I'm a goaltender and this is one of my favorite subjects. So what do you think? Um as of right now, I, 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 I am a Tuka Rask fan, but I'm not blind to his mistakes. And, yeah. and and I'm at the point, I'm at the juncture, John, that I'm just like, listen, you should all get off the pot. Let's, sure. let's see it. I mean, I'm, oh. I, I've been backing him since he was, even before he was a Toronto Maple Leaf pet. I believe in the kid so much. I just want to see it happen. And I just want to uh, like serve a shit sandwich to so many people. Oh, but It would feel good. It but would definitely feel good. Regardless of feelings and so on, future feelings and potentials, is it time to for uh, Cassidy to take a step back and say, listen, Tuka, you're not showing it. Let's ride Halak. Let's see if we can get that magic that we did last year when you got – obviously you were not, not engaged in the, the games – but when you saw your opportunity possibly slipping for four, four straight games, that you kind of woke up and wanted to get back in there and be that goaltender that we all know. I don't, I don't put the dollar price on it. You know what I mean? I just, I put the talent. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think without thinking about his contract at all, like you said, we don't need to think about the money here to look at the performance at it as what it is. And like you said, it's. I am a big Rask guy too. I do. Uh, I. He's very consistent throughout regular season for the most part. I feel like the last two years have been kind of an anomaly in terms of regular season, for, at least through the majority of the games. He's usually pretty consistent. I have an issue when people, at least at least the fans, they don't call out when the guy actually doesn't make the plays. And I think that's when, so when Cassidy looks at this right now, at least in this situation, he's... Rask has had probably three starts where he's had at least at least one goal where you've looked at it and said, okay, that's a play that Rask would want back and exactly. it himself. And that's three straight games with it. And I, and I would say that there's you know a game where there's probably two goals in there. I think it's more like, hey, there's two goals in his – I want to say it was the first start that he lost. Um, and I'm not – I mean, that's kind of even uh, – Washington was kind of – no pun intended, a wash in my mind. That I don't even want to think about that game. Preseason game. Yeah, exactly. Preseason exactly. game nine. Exactly. Yeah. My that's gonna be my 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 term hopefully for <laughs> that one of the only seven nothing losses we'll see in the next few years, but um or whatever it ended up being. Um but uh I, I think Cassidy needs to look at it and say and and without take Halak starts out because he's he has been good. He right now if if Rask was playing the way Halak was and those roles were reversed, it would be like, okay, don't even play Halak. Rask's our guy. He's going to be playing 65 games this year. Right. But the way it has worked out is you need to have Rask, look at Rask's start and his starts individually and say, he's had three games in a row where you want something back. This is your game four right now. Not to like talk baseball series or that kind of thing, but like this is like you need a, a, a your ace pitcher to come in and stop, stop the other team, stop the bleeding here. He needs to come in his next game, which I think he should get. I think he should start their next game. And if he lets up another one 
you know, where it's questionable, especially if the team loses, especially if he lets up more than just that one goal and the team loses, you have to start riding Halak for a couple games and and do the same thing that you pretty much did last year when you had Hadoman going for a couple games in a row. And you even publicly said, hey, he needs to figure it out. And he even knows that because Rask, I, I think Rask is the first one that will tell you he hasn't been good. Oh yeah, he's he's admitted it in the locker room in front in cameras, and and you know he's just it's just something that it, it's so it's frustrating as a fan because you want them to start off always on on the right note, and it's like it's like me talking about the Providence Bruins. It's like I am not engaged. I I, I am because I follow them because I that's what I kind of have to do. It's just it's just in me to 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 mm-hmm. learn and and know and, and just try to be on top of the game when it comes to that. But like the, like the, for the past three or four seasons, they don't pick up this their effort per se, and it's because of early season injuries at the NHL level that you know the whole roster, the whole development scheme shifts with certain yeah. players. So in like especially in the middle, with the AHL is the middle. And and people are constantly going up and down the East Coast League and blah 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 blah. Until that gets all settled, it seems like that's when the Providence Bruins are picking it up, and that's in late December. And then they march yeah. right on through to no, uh, April, and and they get a playoff appearance. So, and I, I and that makes a good point too, because I think the most frustrating part of the whole Rask thing is, I'm pretty sure I'm. With that, with the exception of watching Tim Thomas in, in 2011, that cup run, because we were all spoiled to see that. Not that's not going to happen much again, and I hope it doesn't for the defense's sake, because that's 55 shots a hunt goal against teams. But um, Tuka Rask in 2013 was absolutely lights out, especially in the Pittsburgh series, and people forget that. There's absolutely going to be situations where you let up a bad goal as a goaltender. I mean, I think even the one. Halak let up against Vancouver yesterday or two days ago wasn't a good goal, but at the same time he was lights out that entire playoff series. So that's the most frustrating part is we know how good he can be for long stretches. Bring it back to last year when he ended up coming back in and he played great the whole year. That's why I think it's the most frustrating with Rask because it seems like, and I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily a mental thing because I know he can perform in big games, but. It's just like there's some aspect where he almost like I don't know if it's he loses focus, but there's all it's kind of just like he almost pays for if he has one ten second lapse of like focus or attention, he gets off one angle. The other team always seems to make him pay. You know, he he does one thing and and you know he doesn't clear the puck. He goes to try to play the puck in the corner and passes it up the boards and doesn't clear it. That puck ends up going back in the net. You know, it seems like. And I don't know if it's like like I said, just a, a small lapse of focus, but it's just there's that one or two, you know, goals that you just always look at and you're like, okay, that's that's nowhere close to what Rast is capable of, and, and that's why I, I think it's almost I, I think it is a situation where you just have to wake the guy up, you know, and and you know play Halak for a few games and give the guy you know a couple games to sit off and. and you know, think about, hey, I was off my angle. I need, I need to adjust this and kind of just come back in sharper. But I was that's listening. The thing, that's the only option, really. I was listening to the uh, 98.5, the hockey show. Uh, they, have, they, have, they have a show on Saturday, but I haven't podcast, so I listened to it today. 
which we're recording on Monday, uh, the 22nd or the 21st? Uh, let me see my phone. It is the 22nd. Yeah. So, and they were saying that when it, when when they when they're doing the projections for starts and goalie starts, is that they're looking so far ahead and saying you know where they could go, blah blah blah, because it's a, it is a one A and one B. You know, Halak is the type of goaltender that can be a starter. Anton Hudobin is not that type. Uh, or anybody else in the in the in the past that this team's brought through the development system like uh, Nicholas Fedberg, Chad Johnson, you know none of those guys were brought in like this. I mean, Halak brings a total different element to yep. to to the goaltending tandem, and if needed, he can be relied on because he has that experience of of playing almost every game. So it's a great great position to be in. But I still think that I I give the favor, and I, maybe I'm being a little biased on thinking that of, of how a uh, an organization works and and how they spend their money. And I've been a Bruins fan for a while, so I've seen a lot of weird shit. That you know maybe Jeremy Jacobs doesn't want to pay a guy two point five million and have a seven million guy sitting on the bench. But mm-hmm. at that point, it's not about winning; it's about your business. You know so. Yeah. You need to leave – I hope that they leave that on the side. It's like – not to bring another sports analogy, but like Bill Belichick is like, Jesus, like leave it alone. Like this is like – this is your job. This is what I'm doing. I'm here to put the best team on the ice possible or the best football team on the field possible. I'm not here to listen to outside stuff or get suggestions. It's And, and I think, you know, I, I would really hope that that wouldn't be the case. But I've heard, like you said, I mean that's – that's unfortunately what, what ends up sometimes maybe being at least trickled down from ownership and stuff. But, I mean, is it unfortunate that the guy that they are paying $7 million isn't performing to $7 million worth of value? Yeah, but there's tons of teams with, you know, <laughs> similar issues going on there as well. Yeah, and, and one funny um, – I just – I want to see – the biggest thing is, is like people hate losing, but in reality, all good teams they lose about thirty games a year. Yeah, and you could say that at this point, at this juncture of the season, where we're seven to eight games involved, and you know the teams. Are, I didn't look at the standings, but yeah, I think they were still in third in the Atlantic. Yeah, and so I mean, it's not bad. It's not. I mean, there's so many people, John, that are just like. They're at the top of their roofs and they got their toes right over the the, the edge and ready to leap. It's yeah. like you know where were you last year? I know it took you a whole year to recover from those wounds after you leaped in early August and in yeah. or, or late late October, early November. Yeah. But how many people were buried down in the Bruins going? Oh, uh, I mean, really- I'll admit it. I was I freaked out. I was just like, what the hell? Where's this one man, this next guy in? Where's that mentality? How come these rookies are not producing? And I was like, all of a sudden November comes around, and I have to give Court, my, uh, my uh, co-host on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, uh, some credit on that one. He's the one that kind of reeled me in a little bit. And it was good because right around the t- same time, they, did, they had a home-and-home home back-to-back against Toronto, and, and that's when it really started. I was like, holy shit, he's right. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you look up at the end of the year and oh my god, 112 point season. 
and and, and the first uh, or was it the was it the first fifty something or fifty two win season in franchise history or yeah or was it the fifth right. or sixth I don't know yeah I think it was yeah points wise where they have a hundred eight last year twelve hundred twelve yeah yeah so I mean I mean people people look at that number and I know like oh they got out in the second round of the playoffs people will come back with come back to that but I mean in terms of their position and you look at other teams in the league they're really they really have set themselves up well I know we're we've at the beginning of the show we're talking about hey we'd like to see them have uh, you know a top another top six guy there you know why isn't Rask performing there's obviously issues to talk about with any team um, you know we can like I said point at the finger towards you know Toronto with Nylander with their defense even with their goaltending some might say but still it, every team's got their issues, but overall, this team has a really good trajectory, especially, I mean, even for this year, because they, they've got a lot in their pocket, too. And I know that's counting a lot on Don Sweeney, but even without that, they still have a guy. Dan Heinen had 47 points last year. There's no reason <laughs> to think he's going to take a step back. Right. There's no reason to think, you know, Jake DeBrusque is going to take a step back from, I think it was 43 points last year. Um you know, and people were all down on their defense going into this year. And okay, Char is a year older. Do you think he's going to take that significant of a drop off from last year? No. Brandon Carlo, I don't know why people last year, first of all, and even the year his rookie year, were bashing him so much. The guy is a very good guy, defenseman in his own zone. He struggles moving the puck. That's no surprise. You know, I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, we knew that was his difficulty. Not that it's no surprise that he's struggling, but. That's his, not his strong suit in the NHL. One of my favorite pen, penalty killers. Exactly the guy, and when he starts, because he's and he already has. He's been so much more assertive at the end of last year, which is why they missed him so much in the playoffs. And even this year, he's so much more assertive, taking the puck out, skating it. Because physically, he he's a great skater. He just has trouble with the puck. So you know, clearing the puck, you know. I think it even goes back to your point of giving them one more really solid defenseman. I think if you get another really solid guy in your top four on the right side, that is, you know, you have McAvoy, you have, you know, that so blanked fourth uh, or second line defenseman there, second pair defenseman. Carlo is your third defenseman on the right side. You're in a really good spot because he's, he, he's improved vastly. Um, and, and, I just don't know why people, you know, like you said, they climb right up to the diving board with no water in the pool and they're ready to jump, <laughs> jump in. And you're, and you look around, and you say, okay, yeah, they're they're seven million dollar goalies and performing at the beginning of the season. It, first of all, it's not that bad because you're still four, you know, four wins, a couple losses in overtime, and not even in a bad spot standings wise. And, and he did this last year, and. and the severity of his struggles, we don't even know what they are. He could come out next game and pitch a shutout, and we could, you know, all have to shut our mouths. And, and okay, you know, now we're winning games again, and everybody's fat, dumb, and happy. It's just, I think, like you said, people that jump off the roof too quick, it's just frustrating because it, everything, you know, in order for something to become its, its, its best, the playoffs don't start in November. They start in April. Yeah, exactly. So, so don't worry about what's going on until – I mean, I know there's that Thanksgiving cutoff, but don't worry about what's going on until Thanksgiving, November, or uh, mid-November, end of November, December, till you can even start thinking about, oh, we're not making the playoffs. We're really having some issues. Yeah, and if you're the type of fan like like you, you're portraying, um, you know, in this call, it's um, 
it's so weird to think that you know we we need to all right it, we're not seeing it we need to trade 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 let's blow it up let's do it if you want if you're going to do that this is not the particularly great time to do it because of the fact is that so many other GMs right now are still evaluating in the on, on the fly during the beginning of the season so they're like well maybe I don't want to get rid of this guy that you want right now but then maybe why don't we talk in say January when you can actually gauge his value and where he's going to go so it's just tough to make moves at this early in the season when nobody's really established anything uh or, or you know you know the value you know the value but you just don't you just don't know exactly what you're going to get in return exactly and i mean even like if Bergeron this year let's say came out and he only had four points through his first six games you know he, he just came off an injury nobody would be you know complaining about his play you know but he did come off an injury and you know thankfully he is playing an inc- at an incredibly high pace right off the bat but blew me away john different situation for everybody you know it's some people are going to get started a little quicker um some people maybe were affected a little bit more by the China trip. Brad Marchand said he was affected a lot by the China trip. And I know he's hard on himself. He's always, but he, he's doing great. I mean, he has what, nine, 10 assists, 11 assists already. And yep. he's leading the NHL on assists, whatever. It's, you know, nobody's complaining about him, but they're complaining about the guys because at face value, they're seeing, oh, there's no point production. Well, make a commentary on why you don't think they belong in the lineup make a commentary on what they're struggling on but other than oh they don't have any points well i can point at tons of other players around the league that don't have points i can and their teams are probably might have more points than the bruins or might have less and it's just it's really stupid in the first especially 15 games to 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 make such like a big judgment on your team yeah um, even nobody had any idea that mcavoy was playing hurt the last couple games when he was hurt apparently in the first edmonton game Nobody was, you know, it's, it's, you know, nobody's making a comment then. Nobody knows what's going on behind the scenes, these places. And I'm not going to pretend like I, you know, don't get frustrated because I, I, to be honest, I'm, you know, pulling my hair out in front of the TV almost every single Bruins game at something. But at the same time, there's, you know, so many good things to be thankful for from this team specifically of, you know, Charlie McAvoy's been unbelievable since he's been in the NHL and only going to get better. And then you have other guys like Carlo Heinen, DeBrusque, even down to Frederick. I'll, you know, I, my, my boy on Twitter, Jesse for Jacob Lauco. I mean, there's another one right there. Like you have a lot to be thankful for. And oh, he's so, he's so fun to watch. Exactly. Oh, I've seen some of the highlights you've like retweeted and stuff. Oh, he's so he's fun to watch. Damn, damn impressive his speed and how he translates it to like scoring and getting the puck off. But um, yeah, don't jump ship on the Bruins team. Like it's it's really stupid. The Penguins before they fired uh, their coach before uh, when they hired Mike Sullivan, and even again the Bruins before they had fired you know Claude Julian. We everybody thought they were down and out completely, not even going to make the playoffs. You know, and they you know they put in a pretty good fight. Uh, to make to win almost a first round series without Tory Krug, without these guys, and it's another thing you don't have multiple top four defensemen right now. So a two to one loss at Vancouver on a road trip, I'm not overly, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be like all bummed out about the results or of anything. And um, I, I think you know 
not to talk about a specific person right off the bat. I think Tory Krug makes a bigger difference than people think. Yeah. To being in the lineup. Um, I'm a big Krug guy, and I know a lot of people like think Grizzly is a very similar player and, and, you know, able to take the same minutes, that kind of thing. And I don't, it's nothing against Matt Grizzly, but Tory Krug is, in terms of offensive skill, which not doesn't even mean having the puck in the offensive side of the ice. But in terms of his ability to move the puck up the ice, see lanes, wait out pressure, you know, skate the puck or pass the puck or do a flip pass up over a defenseman, he's he's much more advanced than Matt Grizzlick in moving the puck up the ice creatively and, and translating it into offensive chances too. So I think him being off the ice is is a big loss for them right now. Um, Especially, I mean, the power play has been fine, but I think, you know, it would be a lot better with Krug out there. Um, and, again, they, they're not, they don't have their full roster figured out yet. That's something that, you know, by mid-November, December, they'll probably have figured out. And that's what, that's when we should start pushing a panic button of sorts if they start going bad. But Hopefully it doesn't get to that point. You I know, because really I'm I'm kind of like I'd like to see a trend, and I and I I really want to believe that this is why they didn't make any big moves over the summer. And I know they really couldn't because of cap restrictions and 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 trade uh, no trades and no movement you know clauses. But you know, I think they were. If I was sitting in the Bruins, uh, you know, in the office with Don Sweeney and staff, I I kind of think that they say, listen, we'll. We created something out of nothing, or you know what I mean, or vice versa. When they're thinking about last year, so why sell high now for expectations that we might not meet, and just stay with it? And then maybe I think that he wants to see. I think him. I think Don Sweeney Cam Neely want to see consistency, like last season. And if they don't see it at a certain point, I think they're going to be forced to do something. Yeah, I think so too. But I, I and I think, I think uh, they're going to be forced to do something either way. Which one of the one of the, one of the things is obviously could go the, the right way, where you know Anders Bjork, Donato, Ander Hein, and DeBrusque, those guys are all sticking in the lineup and starting to produce together. And in some way, they find a you know a, some cohesive third line, fourth line combination. Um, I, I think once they do that. And they're going to have a much better sense of where they're going to want to go, especially, like you said, if if they're going to have to make some moves. Because I, I think, you know, I, I'm like I said, I'm very high on the team. But I also think there is a possibility that, you know, even if the team does perform, they're going to make a move that people might question because they might move some younger players or, or some roster players or something. But um, And it might not be at the deadline. It might be after the year or so forth. But I, I think regardless they're definitely going to be forced into into something because there's no situation where you can have in my mind JFK Frederick you know Stadnicka and they're obviously I mean lot logistically there is no way but those three centers you know other good prospects like Peter Solarik we haven't even talked about him you know guys like JFK DeBrusque Barclay Carl so I already mentioned him but um Sinition will bring him up like there's not room for all of them so you need to make, and I think this is where it gets really tricky, you need to make a deal when each player's value is going to be pretty much as close to the highest it's going to get while also not affecting the team that you currently have. But 
to me, I think they. I, I think you're right in the in the sense that they're going to be forced to make a deal, probably sooner rather than later. Um, just because they're not going. I mean, contract wise, they're not going to be able to sign everybody, and and they've got guys like. Nordstrom, as much as I like him and as much as he's performed, he's not a second-line type player. The Bruins don't want him to be on the second line. It's just right now that gives them the best chance to win until they figure out the younger player that's going to step up and take that spot. Yeah, and, and he's the type of player, Nordstrom we're talking about, is the type of player that you could cut your losses at, a, at you know, you're not taking a heavy hit. Exactly. You know, if you have a younger player that deserves that spot more than him and you have to make a sacrifice and like either wave him, you know, then that's 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 what has to that's, happen. That doesn't hurt you. Exactly. Right. They, and they, and that's the good thing, though, too, is if those guys are performing well, that's obviously great for the Bruins. The issue is, is those guys like the younger players. I mean, now like Bjork, Donato, DeBrus, it makes them work harder. Yeah, exactly. It makes them work harder and it makes them realize that, you know, for them to fit, they're going to have to be working hard. Not harder, but they're going to have to be showing more than a guy like Nordstrom. They're going to have to be producing more than a guy like Nordstrom because, honestly, none of those four younger players fits on the Bruins in a fourth line role. That's just the that's just kind of the way it works. Like I, I call that healthy competition. Exactly, exactly, and that's but that's exactly what they need. Like that's why Riley Nash was the biggest loss of the Bruins offseason because you know everything he did he not only pushed the younger players but in the case where you know Bergeron gets hurt he can fill in up the lineup because he's a veteran guy and he can you know play well enough that it's not a glaring deficiency from where Bergeron was you know in his injury and you know Nord but but when I look at it Nordstrom, Corrali, Achari, Wagner those four guys are fourth line type players with the exception that you can sneak, like a to me, Nordstrom, Wagner, and, and Corrali up in a wing spot on the third line. That's where I, because I think Nordstrom would be pretty good on the third line as a wing right now. If you if you didn't trust one of the guys, if you fi- if you find a guy to play in the top six, that that is right. Like if you, if one of the like you know Bjorkinen or Donato really you know cement themselves as the guy next to Krejci and DeBrusque, and it starts working. Or they put Pasternak down, and one of those younger guys is playing with Marshawn and Bergeron, which I think is a possibility. Th- then I think Nordstrom should honestly, to get him more playing time, he, he should be probably playing as the third line um, wing at-, at some point. Yeah, I know. I like the the comparison to use to Nordstrom and, and a player like Riley Nash, because uh, I mean, if everybody's been living under a rock when when. When Bergeron went down for a little while, was it last year? And, and even the year before that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Riley Nash has seamlessly fit right into there and kind of like, you know, played really up to a higher standard and then was able to go down in the lineup and still produce, uh, you know, I'm not saying 30 goals, 40 assists, whatever, but he, it was about his skating skills, his, his defensive play, his two-way game. So, yeah. uh, you know, and I got a question. You bring bring him up. Do you think that? And this is a common thing with with haters because it's all about the money. So they think he went to Columbus and got a certain amount, and then they're like, "Well, the Bruins could have paid that. They had the cap hit." But what you have to understand is, 
is when people, you know, think about different markets, there's different market value. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would have gotten paid and he probably asked for more than he wanted or more than he got in yeah. Columbus. So that's why it happened because he was probably like, I'm a $5 million guy. Berwin says, you're a $4 million guy. We're not meeting in the middle. And you go and you sign for 3.8. You know what I mean? Yeah. So and, it, and what was it? Is it? He got a multi-year contract. Was he three years that he signed? I believe so. Don't quote me on that, though. Did the did the Bruins, and that's my I always ask people, did the Bruins see Riley Nash in 2020 and 2021 being your third line or fourth line center? Especially with all the freaking kids that are coming up. Exactly. People in one breath are saying, hey, like, yeah. What in but, God's name are you doing? Bring bring Winnick and Stepniak on here. But then they turn around and are like, oh, well, we want to resign Riley Nash through his 33 or 32 year old season when we have three guys. If we didn't have three guys ready to come up, I'd say, you know what? Honestly, I'd give him two, maybe three years because maybe he can move down the lineup. But you have three maybe four centers that you have in your pipeline that you're going to want to have come up and play yeah they're going to be knocking on the door you're going to be forced to to get rid of them via trade or they're going to walk exactly now would you rather pay austin zonick is a perfectly good example about all this exactly and i think you actually put i think you tweeted about that too about zarnick like it is the perfect example so i i I mean yeah because and Nash right now is 29. He's 29, so he'd be 32, 33, basically, when he's getting up in that contract. And 2.75, would you rather have, you know, Chris Wagner and, and you know, Joachim Nordstrom for... A million. Exactly, for, for less than what you're paying one guy. Right. And they can relatively patch that. And, it's, and I don't think it means patch that either, but third-line center-wise, they might not be playing that position, but... There's so many what they're bringing to the team. So many avenues that need to be thought of when you think about deals like this. It's like it's not just that the Bruins didn't want to bring him back, and it wasn't because he was a bad person or anything like that. It's just different. They you know. loved the player. I think if it was one year for two point seven million, I think they would have done it. Yeah, but, but I don't I, think Riley Nash Riley Nash wouldn't have taken that contract in Boston for one year. And, he wouldn't and, have done it and unless it was a bigger contract than two point seven five million dollars. And that's, and that's what you brought up such a good point. And it's, you, you also have to think about it in multiple different ways. You have to think about it of, okay, who in your roster are you blocking out of a roster spot because you do sign him? Exactly. Who's not going to be playing? Okay, then those same people that are mad about not re-signing Riley Nash are probably really pumped about seeing Ryan Donato, Anders Bjork, Danton Heinen play on a nightly basis. Well, that would change if you signed him. And those players that he, uh, John just mentioned are under a million dollars. Yeah, and that's the other <laughs> thing. I mean, like a guy like Nolachari, you know, people, I'll say this till I'm blue in the face, and I actually have a funny story about Nolachari. Um, but, um, yeah, he, um, he's a very, very valuable guy on your team for your fourth line. He throws the body around. He's the guy that has people's back. Um and he's a guy, like I said, he goes out there, he had almost 10 goals last year. I'm almost, I think he was pretty close to the, the double-digit goal mark. Maybe he had nine. And sure, don't nobody roast me because I know he barely had any assists. But at the same time, he's a valuable guy because of his play style. And he plays hard. He blocks shots. He kills penalties. Typical, prototypical Bruins player. 
Exactly. And, and I love watching that guy play because he plays the game the right way. The only thing is, just know what you have in the player. You know you don't have a third line. I don't. He's not even a third line guy. He's just a fourth line guy or an extra forward that you know every time he's on the ice, he's going to be giving you 150% of what he's got, throwing the body around, <laughs> changing the tide of the game, giving you a little bit of momentum. Same thing with Chris Wagner, He's except he's faster. He brings that element for you. He's very physical. And then Nordstrom brings a little bit more skill with speed as well and forechecking ability and defensive ability. So they know exactly what they have. They're not getting rid of Riley Nash with the thought of, oh, we're going to mortgage our defensive player, mortgage our penalty kill. No, you got two other, three other penalty killers that you have signed for less than that money combined. Yeah. So don't, you know. I was listening to the 98.5, the, uh, the hockey show today, and they were actually saying that, but they were actually saying about Sean Corrali. They said mm-hmm. that, you know, you should you should practice Sean Corrali as a third-line center, and as soon as the game, right before the game starts, you bring him down to the fourth line. So he gets all worked up, all worked up to be that third-line player, but shows up to be that fourth-line player. And I, yeah, think I, that, I think that's the better role for him right now. Uh, so I think so too. I think, and like I think I mentioned earlier, but those four guys—Achari, Corrali, uh, Wagner, and uh, Nordstrom—those are all fourth line. In a perfect world, those guys are fourth line players for the Bruins. Every single one of them. One of them is the extra forward. Yeah. Depending on the matchup, if you want more physicality, you put Achari, Wagner, both they're playing. Maybe you scratch Corrali and play Nordstrom, whatever it might be. And and uh, talking about Nordstrom too is 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 Carolina didn't give him the opportunity they did. Like this, no, exactly. they didn't. They didn't let him go up the lineup and say, you know, I have this to offer. They just put him on the fourth line role, which the Bruins obviously, you know, scouted out and said, hey, if you need, if you're not going to go get Schaller, you're not going to bring him back, and, and you know, you're going to reconstruct the whole fourth line. You might want to get this guy because he's going to come at the cheap. Well, they did, and then now he has an option to say. You know, at practice, like, hey, let's just, you know, what if something happens, an injury happens, and you need to come up here? Let's see how you play in practice. And he impressed enough to get that spot over, you know, these 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 young kids that are knocking on the doors of, you know, unbelievable careers. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I in all honesty, I kind of thought that they were going to, I was going to tweet out, like, a projection for my lineups before the year, and bad on me i didn't end up doing it um but i i was gonna have donato i i really thought they were gonna give donato a bigger look um up on like i i figured they might even let him play with Krejci and debrusque more to start the year and uh, i thought that you know they should have probably thought about keeping one of the centers um one of those guys the younger guys up um just to see how it tried out for the first, you know, couple games. You know what I mean? I thought that there was really no harm in it, but at the same time, I see the value in keeping them in Providence or whatever, you know, with uh, Oshawa. But uh, at the same time, I really, I, I really was kind of hope banking on them going with Frederick in the middle, having Backus on the right, probably having Heinen on the left, at least to start before Bjork was back, and then you had Donato, Krejci, DeBrusque with the top line of. The top line of doom, I like to say. Uh, nice. At the, uh, obviously, Marshawn Bergeron posture now. So, um, but but they, I mean, that's the good thing though. They have those foot soldiers with you know Sean Corrali, Achari, Nordstrom, Wagner. Those guys that 
can fill up the lineup, which a lot of teams don't have that. Like they're they're pretty deep in terms of their those type of forwards. It's just clicking in that third line center spot and making sure, you know, guys like Donato, Bjork, Heinen, they're comfortable playing in the top six. If you can figure that out, then you don't need to get the top six guy, but I think they really still do. But um I, I I'm just interested very much so into why they didn't have the one of the younger players start as the third line center. Yeah. And uh, it, one thing before before we end the show is is a lot of people are like, you know, that third line center, why not give it to why not give it to Ryan Donato? He played center in college. Mm-hmm. Totally different spectrum when you're looking at it because the fact is that um he's a good college player, good college uh, faceoff guy. That doesn't yeah. always translate to the bigger different ages different you know style of hockey in the nhl so i think he's the type of person in his size not making fun of him or anything like that but i think that he would get like beat out of battles a lot and i think it would be embarrassing to put him in there yeah exactly let let him i mean if he can grow anymore and gain some more body weight and then try him I mean, he could always turn into that type of David Backus that we all saw in St. Louis and so on. You know what I mean? That can be, you know, floated around in the lineup, whether it be center or on the wing. So I just yeah. I don't see him at center. I, I I mean, I just see so many people just over overpowering him out of the out of the dot. It's just I don't know. Yeah, why I, bother. I see him more of like a score, like a, a, a shoot first wing. Like a, I see him as like a real like a, a right wing. Like he kind of like. And I didn't watch too much of this player, but like a Brian Ralston, like he, he kind of has like that. He's a little bit like I think Brian Ralston was like six one, six two, but like he's got a really good shot. I think he played on his offside on the right side, and he's more of like a shoot first kind of guy. Yeah, and I think he's more skilled, and like I think he's really good down low and puck possession, that kind of stuff too. But only in the that's the thing it, that. Being good in puck possession when you're on the offensive side of the ice is very different than trying to, you know, battle against a guy when he has it in the corner, and, and you're the center on the third line for the Bruins. And oh, sh- oh shit, you drew the matchup against, you know, the line that has Ryan Getzlaff on it, and he's six four and thirty four, and, and you're trying to play defense in the corner against him. <laughs> that's not a winning situation for a younger <laughs> player like Donato. No, that's uh, any of those guys. You know, that's. I project him more out on the wing, shooting the puck, you know, getting the puck, somebody getting in the puck, and he uses one timer, uses shot. Absolutely. Well, John, uh, thank you so much for this. Uh, this was a lot of fun, and we definitely have to do this again sometime further in the season. Hell yeah! No, I've I had a great time, man. I I appreciated. Uh, you know, I know we talked about it. I think at development camp again this year, so I'm. I'm really pumped. I actually got to make it happen, and the schedules worked out finally. And, uh, yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, yeah the re- recording. You, this is my rule, and I'm not sure if you've heard this before, but I, I always mention this: that once I have a guest on that has good recordable audio, I always invite them back. Awesome. I hope, <laughs> I, hope I, I check the box once once we listen to it. Well, you'll have to give me some feedback, and everybody else can feel free to to let me know your feedback on how it sounded, and we'll. We'll, uh, hopefully, if it, if it was good, we'll get the thumbs up for another another try. There you go. His name is John Butler, and you can find him at Bottom Line Bruins on the tw- on Twitter. Please give him a follow. He's a he's a good guy, um, very interactive, uh, and loves to talk hockey. So that, that's a given. So definitely give him a follow. John, thanks again so much, man. We'll uh, we'll do it again soon. 
I appreciate it, Mark. Have a good night, and then go bees. Death Row, what a brother